Good morning to everyone. It's uh, it's good to be with you today. We're gonna we've been walking through Exodus, but we're gonna make a change today. We're gonna be in First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn into First Peter chapter five. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, it's gonna be on the screen with you. And it's it's one of those it's one of those times. Um, I had fully intended to continue our study in the Ten Commandments and talk about that we should have no other gods before God. But as I was studying that this week, and as some different things transpired, I realized something that uh, the Lord kind of spoke to me as I was looking at some, some, some scriptures that were next to and in relationship to the, the, the first great commandment that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we should have no other gods before him. So I was looking at that. It led me to this place where I wanted to talk to us today about anxiety because it's a real deal, right? And I also, I've noticed this, even amongst even popular music, there is a very popular song that's out right now. Um, it's got 43 million views uh, or listens on YouTube um, that is about anxiety. It's a young girl, about 18 years old, singing about her life and her anxiety. And um, anxiety is a real thing. And the scripture speaks to anxiety. And as I was looking into the, the, the fact that God is the one and only God, the one and only true God, I was led there this week to this passage. And I want to share this word with you because I think if we're honest, every one of us struggles with anxiety to, at some level and some point. And it's real because we have many cares and concerns. And I want us to do this. I want us to follow See where this word is actually, this word, the, the noun form of this word anxiety occurs in the scriptures. And we're going to trace it out in the context of First Peter chapter 5. Because we realize some anxiety is a problem. It's seen as a problem in the scripture. But there is help. And I want to warn you too, by the way. If something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Right? So, as we get into this today... If you are under the care of a physician who has given you medicine for anxiety, I do not want you to stop taking that medicine this morning and to realize that God, that we are a, a whole person and we consist of body, mind, and spirit. So all those things are component parts. But I want you to know this. No pill in and of itself can fix you. It can help you, but it can't fix you. And I'll tell you this. What we're giving here is the way God is, is another way to fight spiritually. And God is for you. And this is not going to be one of those things. Here, take four of these anxiety principles we see in Scripture and call me in the morning and you'll never have an anxiety attack again and you'll never worry. That is not the case. But there is help for us in the problem of anxiety, of cares, of things going wrong. There is actual, literal, real help. If you're looking for a miracle drug, you're on the wrong thing. But God in his sovereignty and in his power can help us fight against anxiety because it does seem to choke out our faith. So if you would, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says this. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties or cares on him because he cares for you. So Peter instructs, it's at the end of this letter, he's writing to the church universal, a church that 
the churches that he's writing to in Asia Minor are struggling and they are under persecution and they had a, they have a lot of things to be stressed about. Many of them have been displaced from their homes. Some of the stuff that they owned have been destroyed. People are persecuting them and hurting them because of their faith. And at the end of this letter, he talks about how the pastors of the church are to shepherd the flock of God. And he also talks about at this point, some, some final instructions and his final instructions in this letter are to do this. Believers, people of God, no matter where you are in your life situation, we ought to humble ourselves. That's the command. Humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Verse 7 says, casting all your anxieties, cares, and worries. That's ways that can be translated on him because he cares for you. Now, that word, anxieties, could also be translated cares or worries. And I want us to see in Scripture how this particular word is used in the rest of the New Testament. And as we see this, we kind of get a nuance and an understanding of what the word means. Do you know something? Words exist. Their meanings are set, but they change sometimes and, and given the context. Okay? For example, you can say something is bad. You might go to lunch today and you eat something and you're like, ooh, that is bad. Okay? And what does that mean at that point in the context? Like, this is disgusting. There might have been a Band-Aid in this at one point. This is really disgusting. Okay? That was what bad means. But you could leave there and after you have your burrito, because you know there's, we got like a million Mexican restaurants in this town. You know that, right? And there's more coming. So you go eat your burrito at one of your desired locations, and you go, man, that was a bad burrito. So it changed by the way you said it in your reflection, like, that was good. Bad means good at that point, right? Like, mm, or he's, he's a bad man, okay? Like, what does that mean? All right, I heard Mitch got one of the, he, he was two outs, and the bases was loaded in our softball game the other day, and he comes up with the bases loaded, two outs, and he hits the ball, gets a single, scores some runs. He's a bad man, all right? He's a bad man. What does it mean? Am I saying Mitch is a bad dude? No, I'm saying he's, that's big time. So words have meanings that are set, but they also have meanings in context. And so what we're doing here is a normal thing to help us understand the meaning of this word anxiety. We're looking at other places in scripture to help us understand and have a nuanced understanding of what it means within this particular context and what it means to have anxiety in the scriptures. Because here's the cool thing. The Bible is not only God's word and it's sufficient, it's, 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 it's actually his word, but it's sufficient for you to train you in righteousness and how to walk in godliness. It's sufficient for you and me. And he speaks. And when he speaks, he speaks clearly and he speaks profoundly through his word to us. And so I want to see this. Anxiety is a real problem. And we see it mentioned here in the scripture, but it's mentioned other places. And it's mentioned as something we should be warned about. There's a warning on anxiety. If you will, in, in Luke eight fourteen, this word anxiety appears in the context of the parable of the sower. Now let me tell you what the parable of the sower is. Jesus is telling this story with the spiritual intent. And it's about a guy who is throwing seed everywhere to sow the seed so it might be planted. You got to remember, this is first century Jerusalem and the surrounding areas of Israel. And so this would be normal. Okay, now we, we plant in different ways than, than we do now. There's tractors involved. But this one would be the soil is tilled and they, the, the, the sower would go around with seeds and would throw the seeds around. And those seeds would, when they hit the ground, 
they would either grow or not grow depending on the soil. So Jesus talks about these different types of soils in which the seed falls in. His disciples at the end of him telling this story are scratching their head like we are confused. Jesus helps them out and helps them understand the seeds being sown is the word of God. The sower is the preacher. The word of God's being thrown out and the soils represents different people's hearts. And in explanation in Luke chapter eight, the word anxiety appears again. Luke chapter eight, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, the seed that fell amongst the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. So the idea here is the word of God in this particular heart, it's thrown out and it lands on this soil that is consumed with thorns and weeds. And the seed of faith that's coming up in a plant of faith is choked out by these weeds and thorns. Now these weeds and thorns, Jesus tells us what they are. They are the cares or anxieties, that's actually the same word as in 1 Peter 5, 7. It's the cares of the anxieties. It's the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. So there is a way, we see in scripture, that anxiety and the cares of our life can strangle out faith. Now what am I saying? First off, I'm not saying this. If you are held in Jesus' hand, if you have passed from death to life, if you had faith in him, and you have, and you have a new birth, you cannot lose your salvation. But it is dangerous to anyone's faith to let anxieties rule and to come up. And it can strangle and asphyxiate your faith. If you come to my house, I got, um, I, I got a lot of yard to mow. And I, I've, I've, I've got a great crack team that is cutting my grass. But you know one thing that is not done is my flower beds. They're never done. I usually just weed eat them. We have, we don't have any flowers actually, unless the weeds that are in there flower. I mean, it's usually like just bushes and then just grass growing up. Well, we have some people coming into our, coming into our, you know, to come visit and and we're having a team come up to help us with some of the stuff going on at the new church facility. And so my wife was like, you got to cut these flower beds because we look insane. And I said, all right, I got out there with the weed eater. I started going to town. Some of these weeds were as tall as me. I know I should have done it. You're judging me. It's okay. I still love you. All right. But those weeds, if left unattended, could take over that whole entire flower bed and choke out even those bushes and shrubs that have been far neglected by me, could take those out because it takes vital nutrients and strangles the life out of the plants inside of that flower bed. And in in the same way, anxieties, cares, those things can choke out our faith. They are difficulties that... Choke us out. So there's a warning here that anxiety is bad. It is something that we, it's a problem that we should be warned about. Luke 21, if you just jump over there real quick, that word anxiety appears again. Luke 21, 34, the same one that's in 1 Peter 5, 7. Luke 21, 34 says this. This is Jesus talking about the last days. And he says this, but watch yourself, yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, and the cares of life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He's talking about the last day. And he said there are things that can make you not ready to meet Jesus when he comes again. 
And some of those things are dissipation, drunkenness. And in that same line is the cares of life. Those little anxieties and worries can choke out and they are dangerous to our faith. So I want you to know something. We, the Bible concludes something that we already know to be a fact, okay? Anxiety is a problem. And it's not only a physical problem where you can have an anxiety attack and your heart can palpitate and your blood pressure raise and you feel like your world's caving in. But it's also a spiritual problem. And it can choke out our spiritual life. Anxiety is dangerous according to the scriptures. I also want you to see what the nature of anxiety is. The nature of anxiety can be seen in Jesus' words as well. Remember, we're, we're walking through 1 Peter 5-7. through Humble yourselves before the Almighty God. At the right time, he will exalt you, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That word anxiety appears also in a noun or in a verbal form in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. So picture it. Jesus is preaching and teaching. He's, he's sitting on a mountain and he's preaching to these multitudes. And he comes and he says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. It's the same word, but in a verbal form. Anxious right there. Don't be anxious about your life. That's a broad term. And then he gets more specific. He says what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So the so we, we've seen this so far. Anxieties are a problem. They can choke out our faith. And also, anxieties are part of everyday life. There is a natural care and concern about what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and what shall we put on. Now, some of you guys are going, I'm not worried about what I shall eat. You know why? Because I went to Sam's, and I bought a gross of whatever, okay? I, you, you know what? Sam's or Costco, it's amazing. Like you, you walk in there, and you're like, you know what? I do need 50 packs of Lay's potato chips. I do need that. Or, yeah, I'm going to buy a bulk of, or like a whole pallet of strawberries. They won't go bad. And like two seconds later, mold has it formed on them, right? I don't know if you walk in. When I walk into Sam's Club, I'm always like, I do need 40 hamburger patties frozen and arranged. Day to day, when the people he was speaking to in the first century, Jesus was speaking to, they lived from day to day. They didn't have extra money in their bank accounts. They got the money they needed from their work that day to pay the bills, to, to get the food, to live. Now, we have a different problem. We have a different, we experience the problem of what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and what shall we put on in a different way. Ours usually has to come because we are a very rich culture. I know you don't think you're rich, but compared to the world, we are a rich culture. Most of ours has to do with jobs, because, you know, jobs, you know, money can be exchanged for goods and services, right? Okay. And how do you get money? You go work a job to get money, and therefore you can exchange the money you have for goods and services, and there you go. That's how economics work, basically, okay? And so what we have is a situation where we're not so much concerned what shall we eat, what shall we drink day to day, but we are concerned about our jobs and our livelihoods and what we are going to wear, and that's a real concern. And so the natural cares of life, all of these things, we all have to eat, we all have to drink, we all have to sleep. These are real valid concerns and jesus recognizes these concerns 
He says, this is real. Anxieties include normal things like what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where am I going to work? How am I going to make money? How am I going to provide for my kids? How are my kids going to get educated so they can make money, so they can provide for themselves, so they can be self-sufficient, so they can move out of my house, so they can do all those things? How? We also see in Luke eight fourteen, which we just read a minute ago about the parable of the thorns, Jesus says these things can choke out faith. Verse, this is Luke eight fourteen. He says, as, and as for what fell amongst the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, their faith is choked by the cares, the riches and pleasures of life. So not only are the necessities, the basic necessities of life, something that cause anxieties and cares and worries, but it's included in here. Part of our anxiety can be about pleasure or seeking riches, riches and pleasures. And so we can't have anxiety because many of you are worried about retirement. You're worried about how am I going to pay for the car? How am we going to pay for the house? How are we going to do this? How are we going to that? Riches. Or some of us are just concerned with how can I make a buck? There are some people I know in life, they're tragic figures. I watch them. I love them. But there's just those people that are always going after the next get rich quick scheme. Do you know somebody like that? If you don't, you might be that person. Not throwing stones. It's just, it's just the way it is. But I, I know a guy who keeps shipwrecking his life because he's trying to go from get rich quick to get rich quick scheme. And he's usually marketing to his friends who now his friends are like, I don't ever want to answer an email from you ever because you're trying to sell me something new every five minutes. And he changes products over and over and over again. And some, there is a point, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with having money and riches, Okay. What, we, what does it say in the scriptures? Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. It's about our affections and our hearts. So the pursuit of wealth and career is an anxiety. It's true, but it is also something that can, it's something that can be good, but it's something also that can choke out your life with anxiety and fears and cares. Also seeking pleasures. There is a phenomenon known, I don't know what the technical name is, but it's basically like it's the fear of missing out. So let's just take this. It's really been, there's always been a fear of missing out, okay? Like somebody's having fun, I missed the party. That's always part been part of life, but now it's in our faces and in our pockets. What do I mean by in your pockets? You open up Instagram, you open up Facebook, and you know, everybody only puts their good stuff on there. Unless you have that one friend who's always telling you all their bad stuff on Facebook. Okay, you're like, oh, I'm going to block them for a minute. Okay, because I don't need that in my life. Okay, everything's bad. But for most of us, it's like, look how great we are. It's, we do. Look at this great vacation. Look at these friends. Look at this meal. And there's, it's been diagnosable by psychologists that... There's this real anxiety and fear of you see somebody having a good time or living their life a certain way and you want that now and you live with this anxiety that you're not living up to what could be. You're missing out on all that life has to offer. And that is what we see here. The pursuit of pleasures. It's not wrong. Pleasure is not wrong. God made things to be pleasurable. 
but the pursuit of them above everyone, everything else that makes anxiety come up, the cares of this world that raises that in us is a dangerous thing that can choke out our faith. Finally, I want you to see this, okay? In 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Paul is talking about, he uses this word, anxieties, in talking to the church of Corinth. And he says this, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Now, there's a certain amount of care and concern. Listen, you have to have food and water and clothing to live. If you get two of the three right and you showed up today, it could get, still get awkward. If you got food and, and, and water right, but you forgot clothing, it would be a very uncomfortable day for you at church, okay? And for everyone else, but whoa, okay? Come as you are, I guess, all right? Here's a towel or some paper towels. Okay? Cover yourself. So those things are not unimportant, but it's the concern and worry that takes precedence and kind of chokes out faith that's the problem and also there's nothing wrong with riches and there's nothing wrong with pleasures but put in the wrong place and desiring those things to the point of anxiety and worry is wrong and also paul we see here he mentions that he, he has concern for the church and paul is an apostle called by jesus to plant churches to make jesus known and there is something real and good about him having concern for the churches but take it to its extreme anxiety run amok cares run amok worries run amok it is dangerous so common things can lead to anxiety the things that are that lead to anxiety aren't wrong, but the way we process and deal with those things and the way we the way we look at them from our worldview and our perspective matters. So Jesus has shown us that anxiety is a problem. We see it, it can choke out faith. And here's the problem. It's it is a problem, but it's something that's natural. It's like this. You ever try to lose weight? It's not fun. You know why? Because stuff tastes good. You know that, right? Like ribs are better than ice cubes. You know that. All right? (laughs) I love it. Steak is better than kale. Cucumbers are not my friend, but Funyuns are awesome. But you have to eat to live. Right? You got to have calories coming in and nutrients coming in so you can function. But you're having to do something, right? That is also the cause of your problem of being overweight. So you got to, it's like this, I got to eat to live. But if I eat too much, I'm going to die too. Because I'm going to cholesterol. It's this weird thing. And so here's what we see with these things. All these things we have to have. Pleasures, riches, those things, we need, we need money. It's, God is okay with us having pleasure. He's, uh, he, we need food and we need drink and we need clothing. And we should have concern for the churches, especially me as a pastor. I should have a concern for the church. Those things are natural and good, but take it to the extreme and take it to the place where anxiety, worry controls us. It's a difficult, difficult problem. And I know I'm explaining something to you that you probably already get. I just want to show you 
that this is a biblical idea that anxiety is a problem and it is real. But I also want you to know and see so that we may combat it, how anxiety chokes out our faith. Anxiety makes us think of God too little. The first thing, anxiety, how anxiety works, it makes us think of God too little. Our problems, when anxiety works this way, our problems and our worries take up most of our, our, the space or our operating, our RAM in our brain. And therefore, there is very little time to be thinking about God, his promises, or who you are in Christ. And so our problems take precedent. So anxiety, the way it chokes our faith, is it makes us think of God too little. My dad used to, um, he used to work at the Air Force Academy. He was a professor there. And part of the, when he worked at the Air Force Academy, part of what you had to do was be involved with extracurricular activities. He got involved with the wrestling team. When I'm thinking, when I'm saying wrestling team, I'm not talking about, you know, like, like professional wrestling, like in the sense of like WWE. Okay. He was not involved with that. It wasn't like, oh, I'll hit you with a two by four. That was not, this was like collegiate wrestling. And so he worked with the wrestling team. To make weight, those guys would have to do, some of those guys would have to do tremendously outrageous things. When I walked into one of their practice one time, there was a guy wearing trash bags in the room, and they were all wrestling with each other, and it was, the heat was on to like 95. It was not a pleasant smell. It was not a pleasant situation to walk in on that practice. They would do all that stuff. And in so doing, Many of those guys, so they wouldn't get choked out, they would, they would have to meet the weight, and then so they could wrestle, after they'd make the weight, they'd go and they'd eat all that they could to have the calories so that they could go on and wrestle. What happens, what would happen if they did not have those calories to burn after they made the weight? They'd have no energy, and they would likely be choked out by their opponent, or pinned, or slammed. In the same way, when we have so much going on in our minds that we have very little space or thought or time given to the scriptures or to, to walking in the promises of God, to prayer, to, to being with God, we are weak and ineffectual and we can be choked out easy. So anxiety works by filling your mind. And you know this to be true. If you've ever had anxiety, if you've ever struggled with it, when does it jump on you? You're laying down at night, about to go to sleep, and then your mind starts going a million miles a minute. I gotta think about this, I gotta think about that, I gotta think about this, about that, that. Then your heart starts racing. What is it what does the psalmist talk about in the scriptures? He talks about as I lay in my bed, I think about you in the night watches. There is something about anxiety that fills our minds so much that we think of God too little. Anxiety is a threat. It chokes us out because it makes us, think, makes us think of God too little. Secondly, I want you to see anxiety makes us... The second thing is anxiety makes us think too little of God. Now that's a similar way of saying something different. That we, because of anxiety, our problems seem big and our God seems small. But if we go back to 1 Peter 5, 17, what does it say? 1 Peter 5, 17, which is our text for or 5, verse 6 and 7. What does it say today? It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Does it say the semi-strong hand of God? 
Does it say the wimpy, limp-wristed hand of God? What does it say? The mighty hand of God. There is a war going on in your life as to what is sovereign. What is king? What is in control of your life? Anxiety says that your problems are in control. Your difficulties, your worries are in control. The scriptures remind us as we fight this fight that God is big and he is in control and that he is sovereign and that he has made promises and he does not lie and he is good. And so the danger is thinking of God too little and thinking too little of God that, he, that God that we do not have enough space because our mind is taken up with cares that it chokes out our faith and then or on the opposite side we think our problems are too big and our God is too small when it's actually the opposite that's the case. And I have a friend who's in the Coast Guard and he's in Coast Guard aviation. And they to be in the aviation I mean, they're doing some crazy stuff in the Coast Guard. I know a lot of people make fun of the Coast Guard, okay? But the Coast Guard, they do some crazy stuff. And he's in this helicopter, and they fly around, and they rescue people off of boats and raging seas. It's pretty impressive. And so I got to follow him while he was going through training and basic, or basic training, and then all the, the, the stuff to be a Coast Guard aviator. And so he was actually one of the guys that would would fly in and then he would get on the little little harness thing and go down and grab people stuff i would never want to do in my entire life but i'm thankful he's doing it and so they had to do this thing where they'd have to pull they'd have to pull g-forces and they would try to get them to the place of oxygen deprivation because that's what happens sometimes when you have to pull g's when you're when you're flying in in an aircraft your body the the blood is not pumping oxygen to your brain as you ought to all right, as it ought to. So they are doing this simulation in which they are basically asphyxiating his brain by removing the oxygen. He puts this mask on. And then you know what they make him do? After they get him to this point, they make him take tests and talk to them. And he posted the video of this on his Facebook page, which is funny because you know how you start acting? <laughs> really your brain's not function i mean it's awesome to watch this under a controlled environment if it had been bad you know if he'd been you know happened on his own they do this is simulate so he can work so he would take in this test he can't write his name right letters are backwards it's fantastic he's a grown man i loved watching this in fact i watched it more times than i should have i just enjoyed it very much because he could not function properly he could not write his name right he could not get basic colors correct It was because he was being choked out. In so doing, anxiety is a problem because it chokes out our spiritual life and makes us operate in ways that we are not created to operate. It's dangerous. It's a problem. But there's good news. There's good news. Anxiety is real. And if we left it there, you know what you could do? You could justify your behavior all day long. You could be like, listen, it's fine. I can act like this. I can be snappy. I can have a hissy fit. I can post crazy things on Facebook or Instagram. I can do that. You know why? Because I have anxiety. Matt said it's real. He showed me in the Bible that it's real. So I'm justified and acting however I want to. No. 
That is not. He, Jesus meets us where we are, but he does not leave us there, praise God. So it's real. But there's a way. There is a, there is a help in the problem. He comes alongside and he gives help in the day of trouble. I'm going back to our original text, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties, cares on him, because he cares for you. So I want you to see something. There's one command in this scripture, okay? One command, and then there is a, a word, which is actually a, it's, it's, it's a participle, which helps us understand something. That doesn't mean anything to you, but I wanted to show you what it, it kind of means. There's one command, which is actually to humble ourselves. And then, the way the scripture is written, there is a way in which we ought to humble ourselves. And it's by casting our cares on him. And so our help comes from humble casting. Anxiety is a true, real problem. It asphyxiates our faith and there is a great danger in it as Jesus has shown us. However, there is a way forward to help in the anxiety and it comes through humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Which is recognizing that he is sovereign, he is in control, and he is mighty. To fight against those thoughts that say my problems are sovereign and saying my God is sovereign. And that is the part of our humiliation, of us trying to humble ourselves. Because one of the things is at the root of anxiety is not just, I have these problems. What are you trying to do? You're trying to learn how to fix the problems. That's why you're thinking on them. Because you need a solution. You're running towards them. You want a solution. You need something. You need a solution. How can I do this on my own? And I want you to tell you something. The scriptures never say you can do it. You can't. All by yourself. You know what? You just need to believe in you. If you ever go to a church and they tell you that, that's called lying. Because the Bible never says it. Even when we take Philippians 4, 11 out of context, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, especially play sports. Because that's what that's about. <laughs> okay, not true. I can. We stop with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get it? Because we, we emphasize it. I believe it. I can do, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The actual part that's the most important is through Christ who strengthens me. And so what we have in these moments of humbling ourselves is to take our problems to the Lord. Doesn't mean to be passive in this. It doesn't mean that we don't, it, don't if there's an easy problem to fix or there's a solution, it doesn't mean we stop working. It just means we trust God. We rest in Him and then we walk in faith. We rest in him, and then we walk in faith. That's what it means to humble ourselves in the mighty hand of God. God, you are in control. And I want, so here's a couple things that we need to, re, we need to recognize first and foremost, that we need him. 
Humbling ourselves is saying we need God. We cannot solve our problems ourselves. When you get overcome with anxiety, you need to just declare this. See, this is the opposite of, of name it and claim it theology, okay? Name it and claim it says, I, be- I declare this over my life. I will declare this. God, I got no control over my life, but you do. It's way better to claim that because that's biblical. So what you do is you say, God, I recognize my need of you, and I got no control over these situations, and I need you. There was a song we used to sing when I was coming up in our student ministry, and the lyrics were this, I need you more than food to eat. I need you more than water to drink. I need you more than the night to sleep. I need you more than the air I breathe. When was the last time you just said to God, I need you? And you say, I need you more than these things. Because Jesus recognizes that we do need food, water, clothing. But there is, there is this idea in Scripture, and it's seen all that, that God is our greatest need. And through Him, He, he benevolently, graciously provides for everything we need in Him. And so there needs to be some of us just to say, to, to take the pride down a level and stop trying to fix everything on our own before we go on and walk in faith. We need to say, God, I need you more. I need you more than even a solution to this problem. I need you, God. The second thing I want you to see is we should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And how are we to humble ourselves? There's given a clue here in verse 7. Casting all our anxieties on him because he cares for you casting our anxieties now we just follow where that word anxiety appears in the new testament i want to to give a nuance to this meaning of casting because some of you when you're thinking casting you might be thinking fishing okay that may be you you may be thinking casting is like oh how did they cast the play how do they get the people in it casting is the idea of throwing or placing upon this word is used one other time in, it, in the similar form in the New Testament. And lo and behold, it's in Luke chapter 19, verse 35. And it was right before Jesus entered into Jerusalem before he was crucified. It's called, this section we call in scripture, the triumphal entry. Now, as you remember, you would think when Jesus was entering as a conqueror, he'd enter on a white, on a big white steed or something like that, like a big horse. But he comes in on the foal of a donkey, a little colt donkey. And in verse in Luke nineteen thirty five, it gives us some understanding. And they brought it to Jesus, which is the colt, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. So what happened? Here's Jesus' transportation. They have their cloaks on. We don't have a cloak. If you have a cloak, you're like a magician in our culture. But the cloak was their outer garments. They'd have two garments, okay? They'd have the, it was like a long white t-shirt type thing. And then they'd have a cloak was more decorative and your outer clothes on top of that. So they would be, they have the two different things. And so what would they do? In this particular situation, they took off the top layer and they laid it upon the colt. Now, why I, why I mention that? Because it gives us the idea of that word. It's to take something off and to lay it down. To throw it down. And so the help in anxiety is to humble ourselves before a mighty God. To think of him more. 
to acknowledge his sovereignty over the problem. And how do, how do we do that? We, we do that by going to him, running to him, taking these problems to him, and get, at, telling him we need him, telling him our problems. Going to the scripture, reminding us to not think of God too little or too, or, or too small of amount. But we should go to him. And then what we see about casting our cares on him as that way we humble ourselves is to us to take it off of us and to put our cares upon him. Now, this is actually the way this word is, is rendered means the idea of a continual action of casting, because there is no way that anxiety disappears right away. Our enemy, Satan, uses anxiety against us and to bring it up again and again and again. Also, our own sinful, broken nature, that which is remaining in us after we've been saved by Christ, but before we are perfect, okay? That brokenness in us of sin will automatically rehash our problems and try to fix everything without acknowledging God to be sovereign. And so what is the solution? What is one of the, what is, what is a way to help in this thing? In, in the problem of anxiety, it's to humble ourselves and to recognize, God, I need you. I cannot. I need you and I need to come to you like I need you. So I need to spend time in your word. I need to spend time in prayer. I need to spend time with people who are going to point me to you. I'm humbling myself before you. I also, God, I recognize I need your help. I cannot fix my problems on my own. You are the one that has to come through and, and solutions. God, I'm going to keep walking in faith. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. But you are ultimately going to have to be the answer to my problems. You're going to have to lead in these directions. And thirdly, what do you do is you continually, when those things come up and the anxiety level raises and those cares and concerns raise, you have to get to the place where you continually fight with the word of God and you take those cares and you you continue trying to throw them off onto Jesus. And you know what? He cares for you and for me. You're not bugging him with this. He loves you and he cares for you. It's the difference between that friend who borrows your stuff and leaves it. You do get that phone number when the person that calls you and you're like, oh, no, they need something. Oh, no, I don't want to pick this up. Straight to voicemail. This is going to be complicated. This is going to be messy. Straight to voicemail. That is not how he looks at you or me. It's like. It's like when a, when your kid comes and they really need something. Like, I don't think I've ever, when Judson said, hey, Dad, can you get me a glass of water? Been like, oh, why? Can't you get it yourself? Jeez. I don't think that's ever occurred to me because, I mean, it's like a basic necessity or a need. It's not like, Dad, can you get me a Fanta? Yeah, I'd love to give you caffeine and sugar. That's going to be great. No, he needs water, something he needs. And he comes and he calls, and it's the opposite. Humble ourselves before a mighty God, recognizing our need, recognizing our inability to solve all of our problems on our own. To come to him and to continually win win our levels, when we feel choked out, to continually cast our cares upon him, Knowing this, to take off, take him off of us and to put him on him, believing and trusting that he has the power to handle it. And if we walk by faith, he's going to be with us. And as we do that, we remember 
This is not calling bugging somebody. This is our Father who loves us. And He really does care. He cares about what's going on in your life. He cares about what's going on in your struggles. He cares about your growth in, growth in Christ and your sanctification, you being made holy. He cares about your family. He cares about your hurts. He cares about your needs. He cares about you. So he is worthy of us casting our problems. Now sometimes we just need a moment of reset. When I was a kid, I had a Nintendo. The old one. 1985 Nintendo. On on the Nintendo, the game would mess up, or you, or I'd get frustrated. Sometimes I'd start it over. You know how I started it over? I pressed reset. And you know what? I want to give us a few moments in response to this. Because I just feel like my soul has been burdened down with anxieties this week. And I think that's why the Lord led me here. To cast my cares before Him and to fight a faith. And I'm not telling you I got it down because... I don't have this down. I need this every moment to continually cast my cares before him, to remember that God is sovereign and my problems are not, to remember that he is bigger, that he, that he is the one I'm supposed to meditate on day and night, and his word is what I'm supposed to meditate on day and night, and that's how the psalmist receives strength. And that's where my strength comes from, is God's spirit working through his word in my life. I need that in my life. And so I, some of us just need a hard reset. And you just need some moments to kind of pour out our hearts before him, to cast your cares, to just get honest and real. You think you're going to tell him something that he's going to be shocked about? He's going to go, oh, I didn't know that. This is the almighty, the omniscient, all-knowing God. He knows it. Pour it out to him. He is good and he cares. And so I'm going to give us a few moments to just respond. So what we're going to do is this. This is unusual. We don't do this, so don't freak out. We'll play a video on the screen in just a second. You have some options, okay? If you'd like to, this is not an altar. These are just steps, okay? There's, n- there's no such thing as altars, except for in the Old Testament. If you would like to come up here as a symbolic way and you'd like to pray, and cast your cares upon the Lord, you are welcome to come up here and kneel and pray, knowing that these are just steps. Second thing, if you were where you are, you may just need to pop down in your chair, use that as a place to pray. Or you may just want to sit quietly and pray and do business with God, or we're going to play a song. You may need to sing the words of this song out over your life, because here's the thing. We need a moment. I think there's many of you that are just weighed down with cares and the burdens of this life. And you feel like your faith is just hanging on by a thread. You feel asphyxiated. You feel like my friend who has oxygen deprivation and you just don't know what you're doing. And I want to help you reset and walk in faith. We're going to play this video. We're going to take some time and pray. You can move however you want to move. You can ask somebody next to you to pray for you if you want to. This video goes off. We'll pray together and we're going to conclude our service with our offering and, and some announcements. But this is our time of reset. So your cares and your burdens, 
Humble yourself before God. Recognize your need of Him and His mighty hand in your life. And just cast those cares on Him. You may just need to list them off. There's probably, I bet you, there's a list. And you just need to give them to Him. Not that you're not going to be working towards a solution or be passive in your faith, but this is being active by taking it to God. So we're going to start the video, maintain attitude of prayer, and when it's over, I'll get up and I'll pray for us. Just move however you need to. This is a reset time. Stay.
pray together. Father, we, um, we come recognizing that we struggle with unbelief. So we pray with that man that you met that day, Jesus, that we believe help our unbelief. And uh, we are struggling, bumbling, fighting thoughts and, and fears and anxieties, God. But you're big enough. So help us to see you, you as bigger. Help us to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And God, help us to continually cast our cares upon you. Because anxiety threatens to choke us out every day. God, this is a process. Help us walk in that. God, those who are really struggling with this right now, God, I pray especially that your spirit would be near them, that they would take these words to heart, that they would fight with the scriptures, that they would come and meditate upon your word and walk in this, God, that you would help those around them, other believers and their doctors to help them in situations where they're dealing with anxiety, God. We also pray right now as we come to you that we would all walk in faith casting our cares upon you because and remembering that you care for us it is so great that you do care god we love you we don't love you a fraction as much as you love us and that is just unbelievable thank you for caring for us thank you for the cross thank you for jesus thank you that we can walk in newness of life because of him in jesus name we pray amen If you would, let us stand and we're going to be dismissed with these good words of benediction. And this is our great, we're called to this, but this is our our great blessing. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. And this is our great privilege. We get to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. For you. Not somebody else, for you. Go in his grace. You are dismissed.